Hey, this is Homer Hargrove. I'm the pastor of Grape Top Church, and this is our podcast. I want to thank you for connecting with our family today, and I hope this message inspires you and that it makes a difference in your life. Enjoy the message. Welcome online. Uh, glad you could be a part of Grape Top Church. I'm your host, Homer Hargrove. Um, we are starting a new series called Times. We're going to be talking all about the different, um, different times that we go through in life. And how often we, uh, we don't take a moment to um, appreciate or really analyze what we're going through. We kind of just go through different times as it like hits us in the face. And so we're really going to try to slow down. And uh, just like I was saying a minute ago, August is, is just a, a season for everybody's life to where things start to speed up again. I don't know if it's just in our culture in America to where we're just conditioned from school to like slow down in summer and start again in August, but it's just, it's, I found it to be very true all around um, from youth pastoring to pastoring that, that August is, a, is just a season where people have in their mind, I'm going to start again. Y'all know what I'm saying? It's almost like August and January. Those are our two reset moments. And as we go into the series, um, I'm, I'm really excited for us to, to uh, be intentional and to look at our lives and to truly make a difference in an effort to not repeat the same cycles that we often repeat. Y'all dig what I'm saying? So today specifically, this is not going to be the topic for the whole month, just today. We're going to be talking about ready or not. Ready or not. What a perfect start to this series, talking about times ready or not. And I wanted to start by sharing the story of the 10 bridesmaids. In Matthew chapter 25, verses 1 through 13, it says, Then the kingdom of heaven will be like 10 bridesmaids who took their lamps and went to meet the bridegroom. Five of them were foolish and five were wise. The five who were foolish didn't take enough olive oil for their lamps, but the other five were wise enough to take along extra oil. When the bridegroom was delayed, they all became drowsy and fell asleep. At midnight, they were roused by the shout, Look, the bridegroom is coming. Come out and meet him. All the bridesmaids got up and prepared their lamps. Then the five foolish ones asked the others, Please give us some of your oil because our lamps are going out. But the others replied, We don't have enough for all of us. Go to a shop and buy some for yourselves. But while they were gone to buy oil, the bridegroom came. Then those who were ready went in with him to the marriage feast, and the door was locked. Later, when the other five bridesmaids returned, they stood outside calling, Lord, Lord, open the door for us. But he called back, Believe me, I don't know you. So you too must keep watch, for you do not know the day or hour of my return. This is Jesus sharing this story, and I've heard this story a lot uh, in church. And it's often, it's funny how the main point is about Jesus coming back and for us to be ready, right? Like, that's the whole point of the story. And I've heard dozens of messages that pick it apart <laughs> in the weirdest ways, so it's like, 32 steps to make sure that you're ready. <laughs> what does the oil really mean? What does it represent? It's anointing. It's, it's something special and like, like mysterious. But I want us to just take a moment to step back and look at this story for simply what it is. And that is Jesus talking to his people about being ready or not. 
Y'all dig what I'm saying? And I wanted I want us to look at again rather than trying to make a complicated prophetic message about this story, let's really just look at it in a common sense kind of way. And the first thing I want us to talk about is distracted and tired. The five foolish bridesmaids that were not ready, it was because they were so distracted and tired. I mean, they all ended up falling asleep, right? But they were so distracted to where they didn't make what was important, important to them when it mattered. I want to share this. It's hard to pay attention to what's important when you're so distracted and tired. Some of us, all of summer feels like a time of distraction and being tired, right? Have you ever gone on vacation and the first thing you say when you get back is, man, I need a vacation from that. <laughs> that was so tiring, man. Now I need to just rest after doing whatever I wanted for the last couple of days and and resting all this time and having fun, I need to just take a break and rest from that. And we, we live in this like lifestyle of being tired all the time. We're always tired and we're always distracted. As soon as we get home, what do we want to do? Distract ourselves from everything that happened that day. Even when nothing like bad happened that day, just from like going to work, you're like, I need to just distract myself. I need to distract myself. As soon as you put your kids to sleep, I need to distract myself. <laughs> as soon as uh, your spouse leaves to work and you're, you're by yourself, I need to distract myself. <laughs> We're always looking to distract ourselves. And at the same time of distracting ourselves consistently, we seem to never get refreshed. We're just always tired. We go to sleep and the very first thing that you feel when you wake up after sleeping is being tired. <laughs> what a horrible life that we live. <laughs> Always tired, always distracted. And our generation most relates to these five bridesmaids that fell asleep. We make a habit of always distracting ourselves and putting things off till last minute. We always, I mean, all the way from when we were in, in school, do you not remember the, those projects or those essays that we got at the very beginning of the year? And you knew in six months, five months, however long, by the end of the year, you have to have this done. And when did most of us start doing it? The night before, the week of? <laughs> I can do this year-long project in three days. Watch. Try me. We procrastinate all the way from our childhood and all the way till now. Don't, have you ever had a moment to where for work, you had a, a, something that you were supposed to do, a duty, an obligation, a responsibility, and you put it off as long as you could, and then you managed to pull it off like the last second. No one knew, but you pulled it off the last second, and everyone's like, oh, this is great. You really put time and energy into it. And you're like, yeah. <laughs> and you're just relieved that it got done, and, it and no one noticed that it was put together in such a shamble. We do everything in this procrastinated life. I think that this last year uh, was, was really funny as we look back because as like the, when the pandemic first started and like all these uh, conspiracies were rising to the top, it's like all of our government officials are pedophiles. Like, don't you, I can't believe it's all real. And all, it's like all these things were coming up. And you know how many people started like watching online to our church? You know how many people message us saying like, yeah, so... 
when are y'all going to talk about the end times? Like, uh, <laughs> everyone had it in their mind that they needed to get ready. <laughs> everyone just had this little glimpse of what the end of the world might look like, the beginning of the end of the world. And they're like, oh man, maybe I should get ready. And the majority of those people that, that were frantic for a couple months ended up not, not coming into service, not watching anymore, not messaging back, not replying. It's like, oh, well, it's kind of not the end of the world yet, so I'll just save my hell insurance for later. <laughs> I, I can almost guarantee you that the end of the world, the end times, the rapture, Jesus coming back, will not give us that much prep time. <laughs> that even though we are so used to being overly frantic and stressed as we put things together last minute and speed on our way to get there only five minutes late so it looks like we could really say that we were just stuck in traffic. We're speeding, we're stressed, we're frantic, and we're the whole way there, like, oh, like you're trying to speed going 20 miles over the speed limit just so you could save 30 seconds, just so you could save one minute so it doesn't look as bad. Like, well, if I'm four minutes late, at least I'm not more than five minutes late. Putting your life and everyone's life at danger because we waited till last minute. We snoozed one too many times. And just because we have made it this far doing that and still have not learned our lesson, it doesn't mean we're going to be able to do that for the, the, the end of times. Mm-hmm. <laughs> if we can barely get by in this world doing that, what makes us think that We'll be able to just be ready at the drop of a hat. Y'all feel what I'm saying? And it's time for us to realize some things and we need to stop putting off everything for later. We distract ourselves so much that we put everything off till later. We need to learn how to deal with our life right now. We need to learn how to deal with our emotions right now. You know why so many people struggle with things like anxiety? Uh, People as adults end up having to, I mean, now more than ever, people go through counseling, through um, reliving, having to relive their childhood traumas so much now later in their, after their thirties, because it's something that they were putting off for so long emotions that we we literally don't want to process our emotions we don't want to deal with them to the point where it's like i don't even want to talk about it i just want to just forget about it and move on and then five years later we're wondering why we're having these random anxiety attacks we're wondering why we're having uh all this stress out of nowhere we don't know why we're feeling this way see just because we put it off for later doesn't mean that we'll never have to deal with it it's just we've we've made our subconscious have to deal with all of our repressed emotions to where it comes up in a very subconscious way and so many things that we put off our emotions our life and especially our spiritual walk we put off and we need to really learn how to deal with these things now rather than trying to distract ourselves for another year i think it's it's time for us to find our passions again. We need to find our passions again. We, this, this last year, I want us to think about, it's a great reference of being distracted and tired. Everyone 
this whole entire year, especially the, the, the time of quarantine, we were forced into a, a whole year of distraction to where we're just trying to distract ourselves at home, trying not to go crazy. <laughs> I just need to distract myself. I'm, I, I can't be here any longer. I need to distract myself. And always being tired, even though we we're always at home. And we spent that whole year, and what did so many people say? Well, as soon as we're able to do things again, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be out there. I'm, things are going to change. Whenever people invite me, I'm going. I, I'm not going to put it off any longer. I can't wait for church to start again. I've I got to be there. I'm tired of being at home. And everything opened back up, at least in Texas, right? Everything is, is open, and, and it all almost seems normal or normal-ish. As far as our ability and what we can go to, how we can gather. And what did we start doing? Even though we said, oh, totally changing my life forever. Going to be there every time now. Every Sunday, for sure. My life is different now. Every time someone invites me, I'll be there. Birthday, I'm, I'm there. And we just went back into our same distracted, tired self. And we stopped going, we stopped showing up, and we just went back and like, oh, well, I'll go next time. And I want us to focus on that idea of the times. That perception that there's always just a next time. And now, our, our federal government is, tr is talking and communicating about trying to shut down the nation again. Shortly after it's opened up. And we have already squandered the, the time of freedom that we've had. We squandered it and wasted it when we could have had valuable connections, valuable relationships, valuable moments. And we went back to just being our old, distracted, tired selves at home, only doing things when it's convenient. It doesn't feel good, right? <laughs> it's all of us. All of us. And with all this talk about us being distracted and tired... This whole point is for us to have a moment of realization. To look at it and acknowledge, wow, that's me. I, I, have, I have totally lost sight of being right here, right now. I've lost sight of being even ready for my family, let alone being ready like spiritually. Like if Jesus came back tomorrow, would we be ready? There's still some nights where like, I'll, I'll look at something or see something or just get this random feeling like, Jesus, right now, just forgive me of any sins, just in case. <laughs> if there's anything in the way, God, just in case. <laughs> but what I'm getting at is we've been like this and it's time for us to wake up, which is a great segue for our next point, wake up. <laughs> it is time for us to wake up. We have been so, so asleep. Just like those five bridesmaids, everyone fell asleep. It wasn't just the five foolish ones that fell asleep. It was all ten of them that fell asleep. And we have been in a daze of passivity, but it's time to wake up. We have been in a daze of passivity for a long time, and it's time to wake up. Have you ever had a moment of like epiphany or realization you're like, what am I doing? What am I doing? Whether it's like at a job with a, with a person, <laughs> someone you're with, you're dating, like, what am I doing? 
And it's a moment of realization, like I've been just wasting time. And I feel like the Holy Spirit is truly leading us in a time to wake up. To wake up. We have not done anything for a long time. We have not done anything meaningful for a long time. We have not grown spiritually for a long time. And it's time to wake up. I want to read this verse in Romans. It says in Romans chapter 13, verses 11 through 14, This is all the more urgent for you, uh, for you know how late it is. Time is running out. Wake up, for our salvation is nearer now than when we first believed. The night is almost gone, and the day of salvation will soon be here. So remove your dark deeds like dirty clothes and put on the shining armor of right living. Because we belong to the day, we must live decent lives for all to see. Don't participate in the darkness of wild parties and drunkenness, or in sexual promiscuity and immoral living, or in quarreling and jealousy. Instead, clothe yourselves with the presence of the Lord Jesus Christ and don't let yourself think about ways to indulge your evil desires. I really believe this verse is just telling us to snap out of it. We must stop living from one big experience to another. That's why people love parties is because it's like one high to another. It's one experience to another. That's why people like church or uh, church services. It's one emotional high to another. I feel better today. I can't wait till next week. It, there's nothing in between just one experience to another. That's it from conferences to all these different things. We, we do not know how to live in the day to day. We just go from one ride to the next. And we, we miss out on so much valuable time, so many valuable opportunities, and truly we miss out on the potential for growth because we are mentally detached on autopilot. We're, we're just on the highway trying to get to our destination and the time in between, we just check out. And I'm not just talking about our, our spiritual walk, our emotional walk, I'm talking about like our, even our families, our relationships. You, you know, people tell me and Lauren all the time, unsolicitedly, <laughs> when we're out with our kids, and I guess like older people could just see that we're like stressed out, like wanting to, you know, just go walk in front of the street because our kids are going crazy. Um, I'm exaggerating, that's a hyperbole, okay? But it's just a lot, three kids under three, okay? Especially when they're all screaming, throwing up, peeing in their pants all at once. It's like a lot, okay? And we'll have older couples that, that have their kids out of the house, like so graceful, right? So easy, their kids are gone. They always give us this advice. I tell you what, they go from high chair to high school, and they always have this country accent. It's weird. <laughs> from high chair to high school, they grow up so fast. And, I'm, and we're always like, that's what they tell us. <laughs> that's what we hear. And consistently, people always describe about how time goes by so fast for their kids. Like, it, like they blinked and they just grew up. And I emphasize this because 
from even from when we have kids from our childhoods you can look back to where it's like you're just waiting for the next thing to happen well once they start walking it'll be easier but once they go to school it'll be different well once they do this once they do that and all of a sudden they're graduating and you realize you missed out on really connecting with your kid and now they're moving out of the house and and they're like what did i do where and that's why so many people are crying as they're leaving because they're like filled with these well just one more hug one more moment even from hey i'm saying myself too my daughters have a habit of liking to wake up i don't know like five in the morning and it's frustrating because <laughs> i'm tired and but they they have this cute little thing about them to where they'd be like joy will just put her hands up go <laughs> I'm like, what? What do you want? <laughs> Go back to sleep. <laughs> <laughs> Stop it. Go back to sleep. <laughs> and there was a, a while to where I was like trying to get her to go back to sleep. And I would like grudgingly end up just picking her up and taking her to, to, to the couch and letting her sleep on me while I don't get any sleep at all. <laughs> and there's a moment where I had to snap out of it and realize... She's not going to want to be picked up anymore, eventually. She's not going to lay with daddy. One day she might not even think dad is very cool, which will be ridiculous. <laughs> but one day she will think like that. And so trying to embrace the moments in between. Y'all feel me? We need to do that in our relationships, with our families, with our jobs. I mean... We are just so ready for the next thing we miss out on right now. And when it talks about this, like, this dark living, this darkness of sin that Paul's describing, I want us to look at this for a second. It says, it's describing these things, and uh, even before getting into that, I want us to say, let us just, like, repent right now of, of going from moment to moment. Repent just means change direction. It, it doesn't mean this evil word that's like just makes us feel bad or judged or condemned. It just means to change direction, to make a shift in our lives. And let's change the, this direction because this time that we are living is, all, and is almost gone. The time that we're living in is almost gone. Whether it's right now with uh, just like the freedom to, to freely go to church or whether it's the time with our families, whether it's whether it's a, the time with the people that we're around, or whether it's even just a time until eternity. What if these were the last days on earth and Jesus was about to come back? Would we be satisfied with how we spent the last month? Or we would look back and not even realize what we did because we were so distracted and tired. Let's embrace the people around us right now because time is running out. Now, the scripture makes a great reference to the average person in the, in the Old Testament. We're talking about Bible times, right? Thousands of years ago. And it's saying, it, it's talking about wild parties, drunkenness, sexual promiscuity, immoral living, quarreling, and jealousy. It's really just describing the, our pursuit of earthly pleasure. And it describes it as dirty clothes that need to be taken off. It, the clothes that we've lived in and walked in for a long time, but they're, they have grown so dirty, it's time to take off our clothes and put on these new clothes of Christ. And 
I feel like there's so many different viewpoints when it comes to biblical times. I feel like everyone has this idea that in biblical times, everyone was just like the old King James Version Bible. That they were so much crazier than we are. <laughs> I mean, when they were calling the nations to repent, they were saying, put away your, your, your pagan prostitute temples. <laughs> like, <laughs> pagan prostitute temples? Like a whole church with just filled with prostitutes? Like, we only have Vegas for that, you know? Like, <laughs> they, they had that all over the place. It was just rampant. He's describing drunkenness, wild parties. When I look at that, those are things that we do just at like family reunions, right? <laughs> it's just a normal, a normal family barbecue. And that, let alone when we're actually trying to have a good time. And these things, it, it's not to make us look at like, woe is me, I'm, I'm such a, a sinner. It's not even like that. It's just looking at how we have chased earthly pleasure over godly pleasure. And this should be, this should really beckon us to wake up. I feel like this is all the things that he's describing are all the things people do that say that they're a good person. Whenever the topic of theology comes up around me and the question is asked, how do you think you get to heaven? The answer is generally, well, if you're a good person, right? If you're a good person, you know, you'll get there. And everything that describes is a pretty ordinary good person. And yet he's saying, run from these things. The time is short, it's urgent. We need to take off these old clothes and put on the, the, the clothes of Christ. And he's talking about the things that every good person does. It shows us that our, our salvation is not by our merit of good works. And even when it comes, if we were to, to throw off all these things and live this this seemingly righteous and godly life, that is not what saves us. It's only by faith in Jesus Christ. So it's not about how good we can be or how bad we can be, but it's about constantly pursuing, putting on the new nature of Christ and throwing off the old nature of our sinfulness, about pursuing godliness. And it's not about comparing of whose clothes look nicer. We're just simply walking forward in Christ. And this should wake us up. It's, I like how it says, Clothe yourselves with the presence of the Lord Jesus. Clothe ourselves with the presence of God. I want us to really unpack what that's saying. It doesn't say clothe yourselves with perfection. It doesn't even say clothe yourselves with holiness. It doesn't say clothe yourself in this, that, or the other of all these works that we could be doing. It says clothe yourself in the presence of God. You know, every week when we go into worship, we learn that God is looking for those who will worship in spirit and in truth. That every single person through Jesus is able to just jump into his presence and worship because of, of how good that sacrifice was of Jesus on the cross. And so for us to just clothe ourselves with the presence of God, that means that it doesn't matter where any of us are at. It's not something to be earned but something that we can all clothe ourselves with at the drop of a hat. Y'all feel what I'm saying? And when it says, what it's showing is truly just having a relationship with Jesus 
and that when we clothe ourselves with that presence and have that, that continual search for relationship with Jesus in our lives, that it produces godliness in our lives that is so much more edifying and fulfilling than indulging in our sinful, uh, lusting desires for sin. I, I will be the first one to say that before I gave my life to Christ, I was a great sinner. I did all kinds of things. I, I, I literally, in my mind, thought that everything should be tried at least once. <laughs> Some of you are like, Amen. <laughs> Everything should be tried at least once. The, I had some limits like, I don't want to do crack, okay? But acid, shrooms, you know, why not? And what I'm getting at is that I've tried so many things in this world. I pursued all of the pleasures, all of the wild parties, the, the sexual promiscuity, all of that just loose living. And it left me so empty and unfulfilled. I tried everything else, but once I tried Jesus, I truly didn't need anything else. Why would I stop smoking weed? Why would I do that? It, it is so simply, uh, it's so simple. You just smoke it and it makes you feel better, right? Why would I ever stop that? Because I found something better. I found something that, that actually worked. And I urge all of us here to look at this idea of trusting God in that way. To trust God to give you even peace. To trust God with even the pleasures in this world, to trust him more than that. That's a great thing. And I feel like, really, everything boils down to trust. Our last point is that there's no perfect time. No perfect time. There will never be a more perfect time to make things right than right now. There'll never be a more perfect time to make things right than right now. Why is it that even when we agree with a change, even when we agree with forgiveness, even when we agree of having restoration with a family member, of talking to them again after not talking for so long, even when we agree with it, we say, well, I'll... I'm going to wait till tomorrow. I'll, I'll talk to them next week. Well, I'm just not ready yet. You agree with it, but you don't feel ready yet. There is no more perfect of a time to make things right than right now. It is an urgent time. Right now is urgent. I shared this, I've shared this story before, but I think it really is fitting to what we're talking about. When I, early on when I first gave my life to Christ, I, I was um, working at uh, my dad's shop and we sold oil and tires uh, in bulk to like um, different companies, to fleet companies and oil change stops. And I would commonly go to like businesses just to show up and say, hey, do y'all need anything? <laughs> it was my first practice of doing sales. <laughs> you just show up and say, do you wanna buy anything? And at one oil shop change, I ended up running into a guy that I knew in high school. And we caught up like, oh, I hadn't seen you in so long. Like, how's it going? Oh, wow, it's crazy running in here. Yeah, we gotta get together. And then you never see them again, right? And as I was walking back to my car, I felt like the Holy Spirit told me so strongly, go back and invite him to church. 
And I just felt so uncomfortable by it. It's like, oh, we weren't talking about that really. <laughs> it's off topic. I'll just continue to come here and show how great my holiness is for a couple months. And eventually he'll just know that he should come to church by seeing how I live and how happy I am. That will change his life. And the Holy Spirit is like, far chance. <laughs> just go back and invite him. And I literally got in my truck, turned it on and put it in drive. I was like, no, <laughs> I don't want to. And I felt so convicted, just like a heaviness all over me. He's like, you're making the biggest mistake of your life right now. You leave. I'm like, fine. I put it back in the park, got out of the truck, slammed it closed and started walking up. And I see him and I was like, there he is. And he, and, uh, he kind of like glanced up and then he went into the restroom. I was like, oh, well, God, it's not the right time. And so I just went back in my truck and justified myself and drove off. And I told myself, next time will be a better time. Then next time was just kind of like inconvenient too. You know, we were kind of both, I was in a rush and it was like, oh, hi, bye. Next time will be a better time. And next time would be a better time. And I continued to go back to that same mentality a lot of us have of just putting it off till later. And I remember showing up one day and I was thinking about it and I was like, maybe I'll do it today. And I asked the owner, hey, where's that guy? I haven't seen him around. And the owner says, oh, he died last weekend. He got into a car crash. And I felt like my heart dropped like a ton of bricks. And the reason I felt so unsettled is because I knew so clearly that the Holy Spirit was telling me to do something that wasn't just frivolous that he was trying to use me to make an impact on somebody's life because time is short. The Holy Spirit was trying to show me that even though I kept putting it off, that time was urgent. But I convinced myself that time was relaxed. There's always tomorrow. And I didn't appreciate the urgency that the Holy Spirit was trying to impress on me. Now, I'm not saying that I was the only way for this guy to have the message of God in his life. The Holy Spirit could, have, could easily use anyone else. But to just know that I was supposed to play a part. But I turned it down because I didn't see the urgency of the time. I want us to reflect on that because it really boils down to trust. For me in that situation, I didn't trust that the Holy Spirit was telling me to do it for a specific reason. It's kind of like when you're a kid and you're told, take out the trash. Why would I do that right now? <laughs> That's not urgent to me. But as an adult, you're like, it needs to be taken out. <laughs> it's trash day. <laughs> the trash truck is coming. You can see the urgency clearly with maturity. But in immaturity, we don't see it as urgent if it doesn't directly affect us or if it doesn't, isn't clearly shown to us. And in those moments of our immaturity where we are ignorant, we just don't know, those are moments for us to be able to trust God, to know that he wouldn't tell us to do something or urge us to say something or pray for someone or anything like that if it wasn't for something important if it wasn't for something urgent. 
We need to trust God. What is trust? It is believing something without really seeing it. That's the exact definition of faith. Faith is believing without seeing. And no matter the reason you have for putting off this moment of change, you've procrastinated because you don't trust or have faith for God to fulfill what you would put aside or what you would risk. We don't trust God to to make it all right in the wash. Even as I was describing earlier about my repentance and even like specifically my repentance to smoking weed, I, I use that as a reference because that was actually one of the hardest things for me to give up. I could stop drinking. I could stop popping pills. I could stop doing cocaine. I was able to stop all these other things that were known as addictions, but smoking weed, you can't get addicted to it. And I was, <laughs> this is the one thing I didn't want to give up. And the reason it was so hard for me to give up was because it was hard for me to trust God to provide that peace to me that I would get from smoking weed, that synthetic peace that I would get. And no matter what it is for you, it boils down to trusting God to replace whatever it is that you're giving to Him. Y'all feel what I'm saying? It's trust. Most of you already believe. Think about that. Nearly everybody here already believes in God or believes in Jesus' salvation, yet have either put off this changed life for when you're either about to die or hit rock bottom. So many people believe, without a doubt, in the salvation of Jesus Christ, but put off the changed life part for when they're about to die. (laughs) Well, when I'm older. Or some of us have had a life change, but we have slowly fallen asleep like those bridesmaids. And that fire that we once had has run out. And we have fallen asleep in our faith and we do not have the fire in our lantern like we once had. Make today a call of action to your life. Let today be the day that you woke up and found your passion again. There is still greater things in Jesus to see, receive right now. Right now, here on earth, there is still greater things to experience and find in God. And there's greater things to experience in eternity. There's no perfect time. We must look at time as something urgent because it is slipping away. With that being said, I want us to all bow our heads and close our eyes. And I really believe that the Holy Spirit is calling our church, the church, people around our world of Christian believers to wake up. To wake up. We have fallen asleep. For some of us, our fires have gone out. And it's time to wake up. If you're here right now, and maybe this message is just speaking to you that first initial life change. That first initial life change of putting that trust we've been talking about into Jesus. Laying aside things in our lives and saying, 
I want to trust you right now. I want this. If that's you, with every head bowed and eye closed, I want you to just raise your hand. I see your hands. Right there to yourself, I want you to have a moment where you talk to God. The Bible says in the book of Romans, that if you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth that Jesus is who he said he is, surely you shall be saved. It's simply saying if you talk to him, acknowledge the sacrifice he made for you and me, and receive it for yourself, and are genuine about it, that surely you shall be saved. It makes me think about the thief on the cross who in his last breaths said, Jesus, remember me when you enter into your kingdom. And Jesus said, today you'll be with me in paradise. There is no obligation of, an, of a changed, uh, of, uh, what it looked like to have a changed life. In that moment that he believed, he was saved. The moment that he talked to Jesus, he was saved. Because in even if he, at that moment, even though he didn't have to show it, at that moment, if he were to be able to get off that cross and, and live on this earth, he would have had a life change. And it would have shown. But the moment that you believe and talk to God is when that it really happens. As you guys are, are talking to Jesus right where you're at, I believe that there, if you're here, and you feel like God is just telling you to wake up from this slumber, this distracted and tired state. And you feel like God is just calling you to wake up in this moment. It doesn't mean that you've been just like partying it up or, or living a, a wild, crazy life. It just means that you feel like you've been asleep and it's time to wake up. If that's you, I want you to raise your hand. Amen. God, right now I pray for your Holy Spirit to do its work. I pray for the presence of God to show itself and empower the decisions being made right now. I pray that right now this would be a decision moment for everybody here, those who raise their hand, that they would truly feel your Spirit solidifying this moment, that they would know without a doubt that the presence of God is over them and that you'd make this moment of change this moment of decision, meaningful in each of our lives. We surrender to you right now. And God, we, we simply repent. We want to change direction and walk closer to you. In Jesus' name, amen. In the same kind of somber atmosphere, I want us to go into a moment of worship. And before we do, we're going to sign off online. Thank you guys for being a part. We love you. Have a good life. I hope you enjoyed the message today. If you did, there's a couple things that you could do to connect. First is to subscribe to our show so that the most recent episode will always be in your feed, ready when you are. And second is if this ministry has impacted you and you'd like to help us continue to reach others, you can click the link in the description or visit our website, gravetop.com, and you can give now. I'll see you next time on the Gravetop Church Podcast.